Great. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone in the room. Thank you, everyone online. What an incredible morning. And uh, I've been privileged to be in the room and just, uh, again, observe the team, the whole team, production, putting us online, but also team leading us in worship. And there were some special moments today in our worship. And what a what, great thing to take communion together as one body in Christ as well today. I just want to give you a huge welcome if you're here for the first time, Icon Church. My name's Paul, together with my wife, Jeannie, who you've just seen with the teaching text. We're the lead pastors of Icon Church. But I want to welcome all our campuses today, whatever campus you're from. And, and uh, we're all online at the moment. We're all part of our online campus, but we just want to give you a huge welcome and shout out to you. Uh, as Nathan said, this is the fourth part and the final part of this series we've called Open Plan, which has been a series really about radical generosity in different areas, and, and that actually generosity is the key to a healthy soul in our lives. We've talked about generous grace, particularly the grace of God. We've talked about generous hospitality. Last week, we talked about generous giving, and this week, we're talking about generous justice. And something we've said every week is that generosity is not just about money. Most people think when you mention the word generosity that it is, but it's not. It's about relationships, about attitude, about kindness, about listening, about being emotionally generous, about serving and caring for others, and also about providing justice. And I want to say all of those things we've talked about, grace, hospitality, giving, and justice, all of us this is our call to do those things. It is true that some of us will have a specific calling in some of those areas. Some people will have a specific calling from God for hospitality. Some people will have a specific calling from God for giving over and above, like tithes and offerings. Real feel a sense of being called by God to, to sow into God's kingdom. And some of us today will have a specific call around justice. But even though some have a specific call... I want us to understand that we're all called to all of these things to see the kingdom of God go forward. Before I just launch in a little bit, I just want to say um, there's a great book on this subject by Tim Keller, a fantastic book called Generous Justice. And that's the title of this message today, Generous Justice. And I want to thank him for the book, which has really helped some of the thinking around this. One of the great things we get to do at Icon Church is support the work of compassion. I think their logo is coming on the screen. And many people in our church sponsor children around the world. And we recently, I think it was 2017, we decided we wanted to specifically target two projects in Haiti, uh, a very poor country. And I think in 2018, 2018, Jane Lloyd actually visited and saw many of the children that people in Icon Church actually sponsor. Compassion is exactly that. It's what it says on the tin, compassion. We love, we care, and we provide support. But compassion is different to justice. You see, compassion is we love, we care, we provide support. But justice, that would be dealing with the oppression, the witchcraft, the extortion, the exploitation, and the corruption that is so rife in that nation that it keeps the nation perpetually poor. Uh, another example of the difference between compassion and uh, justice, um, Andy and Kirsty Ball, who are part of our Sheffield campus, uh, set up a charity in 2019 called Known Valued Love. Again, I think their <coughs> logo will be on the screen. 
And their vision is for all children and young people to have access to high quality education as a basic human right. And they had the opportunity through uh, their work to provide some money to help some children, girls, who drop out of school or stop attending school due to poverty. It's often referred to as period poverty. And uh, they drop out of school because they're having their uh, period. And of course, um, money would provide for sanitary products. And uh, that's something great to do and to consider. That's compassion. It's caring. It's loving. It's supporting. But they said, could we go further? And they said, can we not just do that? Because that's obviously a good thing to do. But can we ensure, can we work with the school, can we work together to ensure when the girls come to school, the quality of education is so high that these girls don't just know how to deal with their period, but they can aspire to opportunities previously not within their grasp. See, they weren't just thinking about compassion, they were thinking about justice. And if you love Andy and Kirsty Ball, why don't you drop some comments in the chat just to show them that today. And then there's this. How did you feel when you saw the video of George Floyd and you realized you were watching his death and you heard his voice and you heard his words, I can't breathe. It still gets me today. People felt all kinds of emotions. Some people felt fear. Am I next? Some people were just angry and they felt rage. For many, there was such a deep disillusionment. How? How? How can this happen? For most people, the vast majority of us, we all felt at least this should not happen in our world. And millions of people responded. Maybe you were one person who you changed your Instagram profile or on your Instagram feed you put that black square. Maybe you used the term for a period of time, Black Lives Matter. Even if uh, the political movement connected with that term causes people pause, many use that term uh, and phrase because black lives matter. Church pastors made statements. We did as Icon Church and we made a statement, but we also did a message in our Asking for a Friend series, and that message has been used by many other churches. And all of that response, our black squares, our statements, all of that response is compassion. But justice, justice would mean we end all aspects of racism and inequality that exist in our world and its systems. Our God is a God of justice. And the Bible drips with the justice of God. Jeannie read it to us earlier from Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. God's justice comes from his character. He is just. In the Old Testament, the concepts of justice and righteousness are inseparable. They're the same thing. They're embedded in the language, so much so that many of the translations of the Old Testament put righteousness and justice together. Whenever you see righteousness, you often see justice with it. In the New Testament, it's not so obvious because there's a language change in the New Testament, but it's the exactly the same idea. 
However, this time, the translators tend to use just one word when two should do. They usually use the word righteousness. But when you and I read in the New Testament the word righteousness, we can sometimes add the word justice or sometimes replace it with the word justice. Let's do it here, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his justice. And all these things will be added to you. That is not a bad translation. That's a very good translation of that verse. Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, speaks so powerfully to this. He says this, shout it aloud. Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. And to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right. And have not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions. And they seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted they say. And you've not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves God. And you have not noticed. Yet on the day of your fasting. You just do as you please. And you exploit your workers. Your fasting hens with quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. These are a people who know his ways, the verses say. They're not bad people. They're eager for the presence of God. But God says, when you pray, I hide. And why do I hide? Because you're exploiting people. You're creating an us and them society. And you practice inequality and injustice. Uh, some people will listen to this and say, well, that's the Old Testament, Paul. But James, the brother of Jesus, in the second chapter of his letter, talks about, he's talking about showing favoritism between rich and between poor and doing nothing to help. And then he says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? And James, we know, goes on to say, faith without works is dead. What he's saying is you cannot claim faith and live with injustice. Maybe John the Apostle can put it even more plainly for it. Do, do you need it more plainly today? Maybe John the Apostle can do that for us. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So it's clear. The Bible drips with justice. And we need to be a people who pursue justice in our lives. And the scripture says the love of God has not touched us if that love doesn't cause us to touch other people. So I want to share with you today three aspects of biblical justice that you and me, all of us, are called to follow in our lives. There's the first. Number one, equal treatment. I want to say that biblical justice goes further than social justice. 
that social justice um, often is conflicted because there are rival th theories about what social justice is. Uh, maybe three main ones, here they are. Uh, the, the first one would be equal opportunity for people. And I would say for, for me, for my life, for so often, that's what I thought. I thought, well, we create a society, society where there's equal opportunity for people. And I probably thought that I lived in a society where there was equal opportunity for people. But I now know that's not the case. Uh, the second idea is the redistribution of assets, the redistribution of wealth, of income. That's often linked to a pol political ideology where, you know, you take from those that have and you distribute it more evenly and more fairly. And then the last one is that, well, you just give people what they deserve. And that's more punitive, you know. And so if a person behaves well, you kind of leave them alone, let them get on with it and do whatever in life. But if a person you know, behaves badly, you actually give them what they deserve. I want to say that biblical justice goes further than any of these ideas, and it covers it all. And it begins with equal treatment. In Leviticus 24 and verse 22, it says this, you are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native born. I am the Lord your God. God's people are told, don't treat people of a different race differently. Why? Because you were once foreigners. You were once strangers in the land of Egypt. Now don't treat others in the way that you were once treated. And we have to remember when it comes to the kingdom of God, we too were that stranger. We too were that foreigner. We too were that alien. In Isaiah 58, the passage we've just read uh, God goes even further and he says this, you and the immigrant are actually one flesh and blood. That this is your brother, that this is your sister. Do not turn away, he says, from your own flesh and blood. It, here it is in Isaiah 58, 7. Is it not to, to provide the poor wanderer, immigrant, with shelter and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Whenever you see a person of a different race, of a different skin color, of a different ideology, you have to remember, we have to remember, that's my brother. That's my sister. And I love this thought. And it's, that's why the New Testament language uses familial language for all of us as the people of God. That through the most common language in the New Testament is brother and sister, whether they were Jew or Gentile, whether the, wherever they were from. And when the Holy Spirit falls in chapter 2 uh, in, uh, in the book of Acts, we see that there are people of all kinds of nations filled with the Holy Spirit. We are one flesh and blood. And biblical justice starts with equal treatment. The second thing about biblical justice is special concern for the powerless. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9, it says, Speak up. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Zechariah 7 verses 9 to 10 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. 
Don't create them in us. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. God is the maker of us all. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And one more verse, Proverbs 19 and verse 17 says this. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will reward them for what they have done. He will reward them. You know, these verses are so powerful because they tell us God identifies with the poor. If you and I lend to the poor, you lend to God. You would think that God would identify with the rich. After all, everything is his. And because cultures, in our cultures, we always value people at the top more than we value people at the bottom. But not God. He identifies always with people at the bottom. When Jesus is born and Mary and Joseph go to make an offering of worship after the birth of Jesus, they offer two turtle doves. It was only the poorest of the poor who were allowed to offer two turtle doves. God identifies with the poor. He comes at the lowest level for, for us and with us. God was willing to experience injustice himself on every level. So that we could, from his poverty, become rich. He becomes as the poorest as the poor. He becomes oppressed and opposed. And ultimately is crucified without cause. Completely unjustly. When people introduce me, they say all kinds of things. Usually nice things. Um, I get to speak in different places and... I mean, one time, this is true, I, I went with Rob Goodall. I was speaking at a conference in Cornwall, and uh, it, was, it was led by a, a black pastor friend of mine, and he introduced me as Vanilla Jakes. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm laughing too. I think that was more to do with my size and shape than with the prowess of my preaching. And sometimes when people introduce me, I wonder, like, is it really me? Like, uh, is it really me that's getting up to speak right now? But here's how God gets introduced to us by the psalmist. Psalm 68 and verse 5. He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God in his holy dwelling. I'm so glad about you, about that, aren't you? He's been a father to me, a father to the fatherless. What is it saying to us? What is it asking us to do? It's telling us that God shows special concern for the powerless and he asks us to do the same. It tells us this, that we're not doing justice unless we do equal treatment. But we are not doing justice if we only do equal treatment. We have to find people at the bottom and give away some of our power. We, like God, must identify with those suffering injustice. We, like God, are to be allies of the weak, the oppressed, the immigrant, the poor, the marginalized, anyone experiencing inequality, oppression, or abuse. Identify with those at the bottom. And then the third aspect of biblical justice is this radical generosity. Oh, we've given in our offering today. Did you realize you were doing justice? 
you were doing justice. This is how we do justice because it's how God does justice. God so loved that he gave, right? When we give our time, our goods, our power, our money, our influence, and we give it to serve and benefit others, these are our acts of justice. And justice, our acts of justice requires humility because we will be tempted to justify our positions. I talked earlier about our church making a comment around George Floyd and as doing a message and many churches using that and talking about racism and, and, and addressing it in that message. And so many people outside our church sent me messages, mostly thank yous. But I received some criticism. I, read, I received some instruction. Some people said to me, Paul, you need to read this. Paul, you need to hear this perspective. Paul, you should consider. And I'm, I'm open, so I'm always open to all of this. But as I read all of that, it did remind me of this story in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 28. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Now the next verse, though, is the most revealing. He asked, who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He wasn't asking for information. He was asking to justify his position. And let me show you why this is important. Because you and I will have this temptation. You and I will face this temptation when we realize there's inequality, there's injustice. There's people we should care for. And we just want to stay in our status quo. I uh, watching recently a conversation around race and there was three black pastors and one white pastor and I realized this that all the people as I listened to them and I listened to the perspective particularly of the black pastors and the black churches I realized all the people who wrote to me think this consider this were white but I noticed that the black churches had a different view of history. They had a different view of this moment. And I realized that none of us were asking the black church what they thought. That none of us were asking black Christians how they feel. And why don't we do that? Because we want to justify our position. Ultimately, we want to defend our power. You see, generosity is never more powerful than when I give away some of my power. That's why giving is justice. Because you and I, when we are generous in our giving, generous in our offerings, we are giving away some of that that gives us power. Justice is present when I practice radical generosity towards God and towards others. Radical generosity is how we do justice. I'm closing right now. The team are coming back. And I just want to say some closing remarks. I want to say this. We will get it wrong. 
we will all make mistakes. We'll be tempted to justify the status quo, our current position, our, 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 our whatever position we're in. We'll be tempted to justify our past, our hearts, our comfort. We'll be tempted to justify our power. And so humility is the key. Just like Jesus, who the book of Philippians tells us, took upon himself the form of a servant and he humbled himself. It will require humility from all of us and humility through our life because justice means equal treatment. Justice means being an ally of the powerless and justice means radical generosity. And as I close, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to ask yourself three questions. And maybe you can talk about this in your family. Maybe you can talk about this with your children. These are the three questions I want you to ask. Firstly, what was the most eye-opening part of this message? If there was nothing eye-opening, then I didn't do a very good job. Second question, how has injustice impacted you personally? How has it impacted your family? And the third question, how will you live out this message? What change will you make? What, what perspective will you see that you didn't see before? as you live out this message. And as I close, I want to speak to people today and you've never made following Jesus part of your life. I hope this message has shown you how God thinks. And I hope that God is attractive to you. I hope that God, Jesus, is a person you think, that's a person I want to follow. This is a way that I want to live in my life. And I want to say that generosity is how we do justice because our God is generous. And our God is so generous that the Bible tells us that God so loved you and God so loved me that He sent His Son to die for our sins. That whoever believes in Him and whoever follows Him can be saved and receive eternal life. And so I want to give you an opportunity today to begin to follow Jesus. I want to tell you it's the best decision I ever made in my life and I'm still learning and I'm still growing in how to follow Jesus today. It is an adventure of a lifetime. And I want you to consider today that you would follow this God and that you would respond to His generous love for you. Right now, in our, uh, if you're watching on church online, there'll be a button that says raise, raise hand. If you're watching on YouTube, there'll be a link that says raise hand. I want you right now, if you're saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want you to click that button and I want you to click it right now. I want you to click that link and I want you to click it right now because it's your response. I want to tell you God will see it and God will respond to it in your life. And then there's an opportunity for you to give us some details. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. We would love to send you this booklet that as you read this, you will get to know Jesus more. And we would love, it would be our honor to send this to, to you. So please click the button, click the link, but provide your details so that we can do that. I want to pray for you right now, all of you that are responding. I want to pray for all of us that we will be the icons of our God when it comes to justice. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for right now for your word. I thank you for every person in this moment who's 
making a decision to follow you. And if you've not clicked that button yet and you've not clicked that link, it's not too late. You can do it right now as I pray for you. I pray wherever they are, Holy Spirit, that you will come and you will fill them, that they would know your peace and that they would know your presence. If their life's been filled with injustice and turmoil, let them know something so rich that comes from God in their life. If they feel torn and tormented, let them be filled with peace. Even now, in this moment, I pray in Jesus' name. And may they start this incredible journey of following you and submitting their lives to you. And I pray for Icon Church. May we be the image bearers of God who... Don't seek to justify our position, but seek to be those who are people of equal treatment, a people of special treatment to the powerless, and a people who live with radical generosity in order to do justice in our world. Church, thank you so much for listening to this message. Thank you so much for knitting into this um, series, which I've loved doing. Let it transform us. Let it, let it add something to us in our lives, in our families, in our homes, and in our church. In Jesus' name, may God bless you and may God bless everything you do this week. Amen.